0: This plan that he has, that we repeatedly speak of here, um, this plan faces threats, seems all the time. Numerous threats that challenge its existence and success. From the beginning of this book that we started to read just a while back in the first part of Genesis, uh, uh, even of time itself, there's been just this, this numerous stories of, of God's plan seemingly being threatened. His plan, again, to redeem a people for Himself to dwell with forever. It seems as though there's just been this attack against it all the time. Even today, many challenges seem to pose a threat to His divine plan, even in our own lives, not just in the culture, but in our very lives here. Despite these threats, though, we are repeatedly reminded by God, in His Word, of the invincibility of the plan. Not because of it's because of the one who made the plan because he is the one who is invincible and so his plan remains unscathed unthreatened really by any obstacle or force And the chapter we come to this morning is is uh, is another story in that vein what we come to this morning is almost like a like a parenthetical story to the story that last verse uh, verse thirty four goes with the. It's going to introduce us to the rest of the text. Verses one through thirty three is this is this this parenthetical story, speaking uh, of 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 Isaac and Rebecca. And it, it seems as though the kids, Esau and Jacob, are not around because when you think about the the, the men of Gerard, uh seeing. Rebecca's wife and uh, seeing them talking and stuff the kids don't seem to be present if the kids were there it would have been like pretty clear he was married um, or she was trouble one of the two specifically um, this passage is written so that the story of Abraham would be connected with the story of Isaac and there's something more to it that I want to get to this morning if we were to set the first scene of Abraham's story alongside the first scene of Isaac's story, you would notice that they mirror one another um, thematically. In both, in both the introductory passages, promises are made concerning the offspring of Abraham and, and the offering, offspring of Isaac. And if you were to set uh, the second stage, the second story alongside together uh, of Abraham's story and Isaac's story, we'd see that they both speak of a famine and uh, they behave in the same way. Interestingly, almost to the letter, they behave in the same way. And so the, the point is, the story of Abraham and the story of Isaac are meant to be set side by side for us to consider that, the, that we might consider them, we might contrast them, that we might, we might compare them, and in our doing so, we will see what the Lord means to call us to this morning. Namely, this. It's a, it's a, it's a call from the Lord live with assurance that there will be nothing that stands in the way of god fulfilling his plan in you and for you live friends with the assurance that there will be nothing that stands in the way of god fulfilling his plan in you and for you. Isn't it good news that, that despite the struggles of the people of God and even their enemies, the Lord, measures, or Lord reassures us that he is faithful and his plans are certain and they are trustworthy? That is, that is good news. We can't wreck God's plan. This world cannot wreck God's plan. All the negative things that happen, seemingly negative things in our life, all the sufferings, all the wrestlings can't, can't wreck God's plan. He is faithful. His plans are not like the earthly kings. Rather, his plans are backed by his omnipotence, by his character, his holy character, and a plethora of divine attributes. Our God is is powerful and above all. He will finish the work that he began in us. He will keep us until the final day. He will cause us to persevere. Do you feel like you're having a hard time persevering? He will cause you to persevere. He will keep you Until that final day you present us blameless before his glory with great joy and he will prepare a place before him and and with with great joy and we may be with him forever in a world where promises are often broken it's reassuring to know that God's promises will certainly 100% of the time guaranteed be accomplished this was important for Israel to understand as they were sitting on the edge of the promised land ready to go in, and it's important for us today. Do you you need reassurance this morning that your sin will not win the day? Do you need reassurance that your difficulties will come to an end? That your pain will cease? That your salvation is secure? That the smile of God on your life is unquestioned? Do Do you need reassurance today that your doubts and God's promises do not define you and that what others think of you or say about you or your thoughts, to, about, your thoughts about how they think about you don't threaten God's love for you in the way that he looks at the weak he looks at you, cares for you. If you need reassurance in any of those things or some other thing then, then listen on. I want to consider three unchanging realities that we see in this chapter. It's first, God's promises remain unchanged. I thank God for that. Second, mankind's proclivity remains unchanged. And then thirdly, God's mercy remains unchanged. First point, God, God's promises remain unchanged. In the first verse, we read that there was a famine in the land, and it was made clear that there was also a famine in the days of Abraham. Same same kind of thing going on both Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Rebecca of course uh, endured a famine a very real famine I would venture to say that most everybody in this room maybe save a couple have have not endured a famine per se these ones endured a famine there was no food there was no water or at least it was scarce so scarce More than just happenstance, there was a purpose in the events of Abraham's life and in Isaac's life, and we are meant in the comparison to understand a few things, and one of those things is that being chosen by God does not eliminate the possibility and the potentiality of famine. Famines that come in different manners in the lives of God's people. Belonging to God does not mean that life won't have its good days and... and bad days, times of plenty, times of great need, times of sickness, and times of health. The Apostle Paul knew this to be true when he said to the Philippian church, he said, not, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I, I, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound, and in any and every circumstance I have, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Abraham and Sarah along with Isaac and Rebekah all endured famine, real difficulty. But when we compare the famine of Abraham's day with the famine in Isaac's day we we see one different thing. When when Abraham dealt with the famine in the land of promise he promptly left the, the land and he went to Egypt. Understandable you might remember that that, that represented a departure from the plan and the promises of God regarding the call of God in his life to dwell in the land of Canaan. And What we see though in, in, in our text this morning is that during this famine Isaac was specifically told by God to stay put. Stay in the land of promise no matter the famine. This is what he says in verse 2 and 3. The Lord appeared to him and said don't go down to Egypt dwell in the land of which I should tell you sojourn in this land and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. Staying in the land of promise during a famine would have required, as you might imagine, think about your own famine experience, would have required a lot of faith. There's no food, water is absolutely scarce. I don't know if I'm going to live through the day. Stay where you are. I'm not talking to you, Elena. Sorry. <laughs> um, stay. Rest. Trust. The crops of Egypt were watered by the consistent flow of the Nile River, so there was always greenery, there was always grass, there was always animals, there was, there was provision there. Um, droughts in that area of, of, of the Middle East, of Israel in particular, were, were not uncommon. Israel in particular during that did were absolutely dependent on God to provide rain there was no there was no Nile River going through Israel yet God was clear and told Isaac to remain put and not run off to Canaan to trust him in his promises not run to the lure of the lushness of Egypt have you ever felt that the grass is greener on the other side somewhere somehow you wish you were this you wish you were that you wish you weren't yourself Sometimes long for a different experience than what God has planned for you. Somehow God's not in control of what's going on in your life right now and you're looking for something else. For more than 25 years as a pastor, I'd been fairly unhappy about not being able to be near my family up in Canada. We were about 20 hours away in Minneapolis or in Iowa. At any given time we were about 18 18 to 20 hours away and so just we weren't able to get there we didn't make enough money to really take take our family on flights so we only got to see mom and dad or grandparents or cousins um, maybe once a year uh, maybe once every two years and it was it was a sadness for me I wished I wish I, I, I prayed over and over and over again God would you help me be a pastor in Canada I was committed to some other things that I that um, of course I could have just got a job in Canada but I never felt compelled to go I never felt called by God to to go and uh, that's the way we've kind of lived our life is just when God calls we we're willing to to go somewhere but I fussed about it I had clarity about the understanding of God's call in our life as a family and I was tempted so many times to just uh, quit being a pastor and and move to Canada just get a job somewhere and just live a normal life that's that's a simple simple example among so many more difficult examples that are in this room that you're dealing with what about you Uh, what is the thing that tempts you to seek greener pastures what is that following Christ in this world is is challenging at times and it's natural to feel like other places may offer better opportunities but what does our king command us to do he he often instructs us to stay in our current location and trust him James reminds us that perseverance during difficult times is rewarded with the crown of life which is promised to those who love God he says this in uh, chapter 1 verse 12 James blessed is the man or woman who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test He will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So why did God tell Isaac, without qualification, to not go to Egypt on account of the famine, but to stay? Verse 3, sojourn in the land, he says, and I will be with you, and I'll bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. There is no greater greater comfort than knowing that during difficult times God is with us we we like to look for other things to make us feel good but there is no greater reality no greater truth that if we knew if we knew that God was actually with us walking through with us there would be no greater comfort than knowing that the God of all gods the king of all kings him the, the omnipotent one the one who satisfies all desires if we knew he was with us at all times we would be able to walk through difficult things. If God is on our side nothing can ultimately harm us. Our our bodies may be killed but we are saved. We are protected in him fully. This is the promise that we have. God's grace will sustain us. His presence will provide comfort for us. His strength will be ours. Those who have put their faith in, in Christ, God has promised to be always with us. You can find comfort in his love and reassurance in his promises. Promises like this. Keep your life free from love of money. be content with what you have. Four. Not because you don't need money. four: I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you." Or Isaiah 41:10, Sassy's favorite verse. "Fear not. For, I'm with you. It's a promise. I'm with you. I am with you. I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will, I will uphold you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He, will, he is with us. He will strengthen us. He will help us. He will uphold us. These are promises of, of not, a, not a worldly king. This is the promise of the omnipotent one. Or consider the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Not to mention the indwelling Spirit of God. Dear brothers and sisters, if you if you find it challenging, which which if you like me, you do, to trust God with your current situation or if you're struggling to provide for yourself in difficult circumstances, or if you're afraid to share your faith with non-believers in your life, or continue enduring the various temptations that hound you, it's essential to remember that the Lord is always with you to help you, to hold you, to strengthen you, to, to, to love you, to show His love to you, to promise a future and a hope, and to never, ever, ever abandon you, no matter how you feel. Is this something you believe today? I mean, I know on one hand we believe it. How much have you really sat in the joy of that this week? This morning, once again, the Lord is calling you to come to him and rest in him and his promises, even though you may be experiencing a famine of sorts in the kingdom of God that you've been brought into God promised Isaac that he would bless him. He says this in verses 3 and 4, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands. I will establish the oath I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Isaac was instructed by God to remain in the land with the assurance that God would not only be with him, but that God would bless him. Of course, there's blessing in his presence, blessing in him being with him. But but there's a there's other blessing as well. He he reminded to, he reminded uh, he was he was also reminded to keep in mind the promises that were made to his father and himself. This this land Canaan, where he was currently experiencing famine, would eventually belong to his descendants. The famine would not destroy the land. He would be he would remain existing. He his his kids would remain existing. The famine's not going to destroy them famines bothersome for sure and difficult and tempting but there's a promise of future hope stars in the sky as many offspring as the stars in the sky even though Rebecca was still barren at the point in our text additionally God promised that though through his descendants all nations of the earth would be blessed and and this promise was tied to the obedience of of father Abraham God stated this in verse 5 Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God God called upon Isaac to obey his voice, to keep his charge, to keep his commandments, to keep his statutes and laws as his father Abraham did. Although God would be the one to ultimately fulfill his promises and accomplish his purposes, and he does through, even through the faithlessness of his people, which we'll see in the next point, it would come about also tied into, through the obedience of, of Isaac and his descendants. Trust me. Listen to me. Hope in me. Believe in me. Don't look at the famine. Look at me. The story shows that God made promises and would remain faithful to them. It's the advancement of God's plan to redeem a people for himself to dwell with forever for the sake of his glory. He is committed to his plan. God made promises to Abraham regarding land and offspring, and they're being blessed, and, and the blessings of the nations through them. And later in Genesis, we see these promises being inherited by the next generation. Isaac can't see the next generation. We can look back and see all the generations, even up to the point of ourselves today. It was like the formation of Israel was happening. The conquest of Canaan was happening. The hundreds of years later, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the son of Abraham, the son of God, we see his plan continuing, working, Culminating in some ways. Therefore, we are witnessing that unfolding of God's plan for the salvation of the world then in the famine and including today in the famine that you experience. These promises made to Isaac are important because they also apply to you in Christ Jesus, though they don't apply in the same way as they did for Isaac. God hasn't promised that our descendants will inherit the land of Israel or that they will be as numerous as the stars, or that all nations will be be blessed through our kids. Those promises were specifically for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they were fulfilled in and through King Jesus. Nevertheless, these promises still belong to you in Christ. Through him, we have access to the blessings, to the rewards that he's purchased for us through his perfect obedience, his sacrifice. Abraham Abraham was obedient to a point. Isaac was obedient to a point. Jesus was absolutely obedient obedience Peter says we've been given an inheritance that's imperishable we've been given an inheritance that's undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for us he says this in 2 Peter 3 according to his promise we are awaiting the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells that's a certain thing that's a sure thing we can place our hope in that and and as we're existing in a famine like existence at times Though, though we are praying for um, uh, the revival, the reign of revival and where all that, we, we will endure some level of famine in different times in our life because it's part of this world. And yet the revival, the renewal that God calls us to ask for and seek is a, is a sampling of that day to come when there will be no more struggle, no more sorrow, no more famine. This passage talks about how Jesus is earned the 1 and 2 Peter 3 uh, earned a new heaven and a new earth That just a, just a piece of land in, in the Middle East it emphasizes that this new world is not just for one specific group of people but for all who have believed in Jesus from all nations the promises made to Abraham are also made to Isaac which shows that God's work of redemption has been advancing and continues to advance today this text reminds us that God has always been faithful to his promises and that will never change despite this, we still tend to fear, right? Still tend to doubt. Um, We've got thousands of years of history of God continuing to be faithful, and yet we still fear and doubt and it causes us to do some unhelpful and sometimes truly unwise things. While God's promises remain unchanged, point two, mankind's proclivity remains unchanged. As the story continues, we come to see that Though Isaac obeyed the Lord and remained in the land, he still struggled to trust him. We we see that the fear of man that Abraham dealt with was the same fear of man that Isaac dealt with. Verse 6 tells us something that should sound familiar to us, as in like what Abraham experienced. Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, "She's my sister." For he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. Isaac, like his father Abraham, lied about his wife, Rebekah, putting her in a very difficult situation, a very tenuous situation, and putting the country or the city of Gerar in 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 a difficult situation as well. And it was because he was afraid. It was because he was afraid of what? Afraid of his life. What was he forgetting? He was forgetting the promise of God. He was forgetting the activity of God. He was forgetting or misplacing the belief and understanding who God is. That he is the covenant-keeping God. Abraham and Isaac, like like you and I, often abandoned their trust in God in that moment and resorted to self-protection. Does that resonate with you at all? We sit in self-protection instead of trusting in God. He seemed, Isaac seemed to have forgotten that the Lord loved him and would provide and protect him. If he had remembered God's unfailing love, if he had recalled God's faithfulness, he would have been driven by faith and and not fear but as it is in verses 8-11 through we see that Isaac believed that the men of Gerar were very wicked and needed to protect himself from them he forgot about the promises of God, relied on himself and his own foolishness ultimately what he later discovered and what we can see as witnesses is that the so called wicked people of that city as disdained as they were by him in fact were more moral than he was interesting important theme that we see in their lives and it's something that the people of Israel as well of all of us need to come to terms with and there's more to consider here for sure we could go on and speak about the morality of both both parties but the point that I want to make is the the true people of God aren't the moral majority they they are those who are often weak who were chosen by God to be his people not because of the morality but because of God alone his will his purpose as we spoke about last week they were called to trust him amid the years of plenty and the years of famine God would say years later for you Israel and I would say for you believer as well your people holy to the Lord your God Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth it was not because you were more in number Than any other people, that the Lord Yahweh set his love on you and chose you, for you are the fewest of all peoples. That's because the Lord loves you, and He's keeping the oath that He swore to your fathers. Through the election of Abraham and Isaac, a specific people were set apart from the rest of the world. The Israelites belonged exclusively to the Lord for a period of time, while other nations remained in darkness. But but the beginning of the Israelites' history makes it clear that they weren't set apart. By their works. It was, it was all by God's grace. And this was to prevent anyone from boasting. It sounds a lot like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. As we reflect on our own battles with fear and doubt, and you just get, get those in your head, what, those, what am I fearing? What am I doubting? Let's be reminded that our redemption, our, our greatest need, our redemption and our confidence in Jesus is not based on any good deeds not based on any contributions we've made, but solely on the unmerited favor of the omnipotent, holy God. There's nothing more humbling than realizing that our salvation is entirely dependent on God's grace and mercy through Christ and not on us. Our natural inclination is to fear and doubt God, his character and, and his promises, but God is committed to keeping his promises, and with his grace, he will sustain us, he will help us, rest even amid the famines, the challenges, the difficulties. We can trust in his goodness. We can trust in his mercy and be confident that he will guide us through every drought and famine. Let the scriptures remind you this morning that uh, what Paul says to Timothy, God saved us and he called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So I'm with you. I will bless you. Don't Fear and, and 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 hey don't doubt trust me may you and I not fear truly but trust and believe for the Lord's merciful we, we struggle with doubt we struggle with fear we struggle with these things we struggle in our famines to be self-reliant all that Ah, oh, but God is merciful. God is so merciful. Which leads to the third point God's mercy remains unchanged. No sooner do the scriptures finish describing Isaac's sin of deception and the righteous actions of Abimelech, uh, the king of Gerar, than we read in verse 12 Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. According to the story, despite Isaac's shortcomings, the Lord remained faithful in mercy to him, kept blessing him. Do you feel the mercy? Do you feel the grace? God could have been irritated. Rightly so. He's worthy of our trust. Yet we don't trust him. and Yet he's merciful. The Philistines, he he was he was so blessed by God that the Philistines grew envious of his wealth, and they began to force him out. They would lay claim to a well that Isaac had dug, leading to a repeated argument that kept going on and on, and there's all this thing about wells. The reality is, it the, there was a famine. So wells that held water, pretty important. So Who owned a well ruled the area. Abraham's prosperity was so great that the land yeah, Abraham's prosperity back in the day was a lot like Isaac here. Abraham's prosperity uh, was so big, so grand that he had to he had to separate from Lot, and he had to he he had to uh, leave a certain area and take over this certain area. He couldn't be in the whole land because Isaac um, Isaac's wealth was so great. God blessed him so much that the Philistines were. convinced that he was going to rule them and take over and destroy them verses 23 through 25 says from there he went up to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said I am the God of Abraham your father fear not for I'm with you I will bless you I will multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake so he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a well the, the successful wells that Isaac dug pro- provided water in a dry and barren land which was seen as a clear sign of God's favor and grace. And as you and I wait for the ultimate fulfillment of God's plans, God's promises on that last day, we we must understand that our greatest struggles, much as they might feel physical, are are, are very spiritual. There's a physical element to them for sure, but, but underneath it all is a spiritual reality. Our thirst that we are crying out to God for to, to refresh us and our thirst is, is spiritual. During our prayer sessions this past weekend we prayed for renewal and we prayed for it again this morning. A love for the Word of God a desire for Jesus the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the lives of one another we are thirsty we are hungry for more of him and what does our King promise us is what he promises us John 6 verse 35 I am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Or John 7, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We don't have to dig wells. We can run to Christ. We look to Christ. We trust entrust ourselves to Christ. What, what mercy is that? So clear was the mercy and blessing of God on Isaac, again, that the Philistines could see it plainly. In verse 28, it, 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 was, it was so it was so certain that God blessed them that the Philistines couldn't address it, couldn't, couldn't say, well, it's just Isaac's really smart at stuff. God, his God blesses him. And not to become overly introspective here this morning, but, but have you ever thought about how others perceive you and your faith? Don't take that too far and just kind of sit in that and just somehow feel guilty. It's just more just, just a question. Can they tell that you're happy and blessed in Jesus? Is there something that distinguishes you from the world in this way? Can they see the love and the joy and the peace that comes from being recipients of God's mercy? It doesn't mean you have a smile on your face all the time, but there is a contented reality that you experience because you know God is over it all, and you trust Him. So fear does not define you. Doubt does not define you. Rest in Him defines you. That's not to say that there's not times where, where you know, hormones are kicking in and, and we're dealing with mental illness or we're, there's, there's such a heavy uh, burden that's laid on us. I'm, I'm talking about the, gen- the normal, even during those times, those times of that kind of famine, there is a, a rest in God's provision to trust Him. Do they see you as a person whose spiritual thirst has been quenched or is being quenched? Can they see that you are truly grateful and content with the mercy that you've received in the middle of your famine? Imagine if by the mercies of God and the power of the Spirit we lived in a way that others would notice and ask about the hope we have. Instead of just kind of mixing in with the crowd. 1 Peter 3.15 writes that we should always be prepared to answer those who ask us about the reason for our hope. And It's interesting. We, we, we are willing to talk sometimes. Sometimes we're not. But sometimes we're willing to talk. But the, que- the question is... Somehow, they've seen something in us. There's a hope that they see it work in us, and it causes them to say, "What? What? Why?" And you can share what it is. When people observe our lives, they're meant to see individuals who've been shaped and blessed by the Lord. We're not talking about blessings in terms of physical health or wealth, or freedom from uh, the struggles. Rather, the blessings from the merciful love of God that instills faith and hope and contentment and peace, even amid difficult situations. This is something that, that the world cannot comprehend. There's, there's no way. It's just not even a... I mean, it's not just positive thinking. This is, this, is, this, is a, this is absolute heart regeneration, something entirely different, something other. If the people around us don't see it, then maybe it's time to consider... Um, not beating ourselves up, but just to consider how much do you sit and rest and glory in the wonders of all the blessings of God on your life? Even amid the sorrows, even amid the difficulties, amid the famine. If you're in Christ, you are the most blessed recipients of the continuing mercy of God. Isaac was blessed with earthly things, but if you're in Christ, you're blessed infinitely as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And not just a citizen, but heirs of the kingdom as sons and daughters of the king. Um, Ridiculous. Amazing. How glorious, how merciful is that? So throughout this week, no matter the difficulties you and I face, let's be sure to take the time to breathe be purposeful in the moment give ourselves grace to recognize and give thanks to God for the countless blessings that we have received through our relationship in Christ Jesus he will continue on with us, he will not let us go he will always be with us he will never forsake us he will never leave us he will always give us hope he will always give us help he will always uphold us even when we don't feel it he is upholding us if, if he weren't upholding us, if he weren't holding us, we would fall apart. A passage I've mentioned numerous times over the last number of weeks that, uh, and, and I think Chris read it last night in our time of contemplative worship, uh, that I just want to encourage you to slowly read and meditate on this week. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. I mean, sit in it all week. Even if you, I mean, you know, if you're in the middle of a Bible reading plan, then, then I guess continue on with that. But, but, like, it's worth throwing the Bible plan out for a moment and just spending time fixating on this, meditating on this passage, listen to it. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. What? And blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. Glory to God. He has forgiven our trespasses according to having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. What mercy is that? The Lord is faithful to keep his promises. He is faithful to Abraham and Isaac, and he will be faithful to you and I as well. Sometimes things may seem to threaten God's plan feel the threat in our own hearts. But, but the, in reality, nothing can hinder it. Nothing touches the plan of God. People think it does. We doubt sometimes, but it does not. God will redeem a people for himself to dwell with. God will uphold you. God will be with you. God will keep you until that final day. God will present you blameless, with great joy on that final day before his glory. He will do that in Christ. Your sins have been banished. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. You are a child of God. You are welcome. You are invited, not just invited, you are welcome in the beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. You are loved infinitely and eternally. We can trust him completely and be assured fully his plan and purposes will not fail no matter the cultural temperature or the struggle you face therefore we can run to him and find him to be a real refuge a real safety he's truly as we sang the, the sure and steadfast anchor of our soul the waves are plenty the ship is tossed but the anchor is secure may we not allow fear to control us instead may we embrace the perfect love that comes from God which has the power to drive out fear completely this is a love that is demonstrated through Christ Jesus and is available to you and me this morning if we walk assured that God is always faithful he always will be faithful even when there are difficult temptations that tempt us to fear we will find the peace and rest that we hunger for And long for. So may we walk by faith, trusting in the God of uh, promises rather than succumbing to self-sufficient fear, Uh, like Isaac did, like Abraham did, like pretty much all the men of faith did, and like you and I do. May it not be said of us that we're marked by something like that. But dear friends, if you have faith in Christ, you are blessed in both this life and the next. The, The Lord promises to be with you always, to keep you safe until the day he welcomes you into his presence with great joy. No matter what obstacles may come in your way today or tomorrow or the weeks to come or the months or years to come, God will remain true to his word. He will remain true to his promises. It may take time. Often it takes time. You think about Think about things in the Bible. Sometimes we think they're very fast. God's God provides in the next verse. But what we see is that twenty years has gone by, or eighty years, or or or, or never. But it's it's on the other side. God has shown that He is more committed to His plan to save His people than any plan of the enemy. So trust in him at all times, for you are among the most blessed people in history, and there's nothing that can ultimately harm you if you're in Christ. The world, the flesh, and the devil all threaten. They may be your enemies, absolutely, but if you're in Christ, there is only the promise of salvation and his constant presence, whether you feel it or not. Whether, uh, when you pass away, you will enter into eternal joy with the Lord. Like I mentioned last week, that picture of my dad and my sister and my mom and I, all walking towards this, this door where, where, where eternity was on the other side. The reality is, that's, if you're in Christ, that's our destiny that's protected absolutely nothing can touch you your body might be touched but you'll get a resurrected body on the other side mercy so wait in peace for your hope is immovable in him he alone is your rock he alone is your salvation he alone is your fortress and you will not be shaken. Psalm 62. On account of these things, no matter the famine you find yourself in, live with the assurance that there will be nothing that stands in the way of God fulfilling his plan in you and for you. Live that way this week. Let's do it by God's grace. Let's live like that. We're not alone. We're in this together. Remember the email I sent out at the beginning of the year? It's just like we are together as a church family walking to eternity together. You have your brothers and sisters, you have, you have the Lord being with you, all of that, all the blessings in Christ, and we get to walk together and remind each other of it, so let's do it.